You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Preach! Amen, amen. All right. I don't like my brother being behind me like that. Not because I don't respect him. Not because I respect him, because I don't trust him. Oh, great. All right, it is good to be with you this morning. And good morning to you on this brisk Texas morning. And uh, this weather is, I am getting used to this now. Uh, every time I come down here, it, it not quite being the Texas weather that I'm expecting and that I'm hoping for. I think the Lord is doing that to me on purpose so that I don't have greener grass on the other side to look forward to, right? So, you know, my heart needs to stay where it is. So every time I come here, you know, he makes it cold so that it's the same here back home. So I may as well just go back home. But uh, it is always such a blessing to be with you folks. And I mean that. Uh, it's obviously wonderful to be with my brother and his family, and uh, we've gotten to spend uh, quite a bit of time over the last couple of days uh, with them. I have had more sword fights and basketball games and soccer games and tennis games with little Haddon. That kid wears me out. He is just, what do you call him, the Duracell battery? The copper top? Right? I mean, he just goes and goes and goes. And uh, anyway, I, I won't be sitting down for five minutes and then I'll hear, Uncle Abe, Uncle Abe, guess what we're going to play? <laughs> you tell me, Haddon, I'm, I'm in for whatever. And then we'll go, we'll wrestle around on the floor and then I have to pause and catch my breath, but he's always ready to go. But uh, anyway, again, thank you so much, bro, for asking me to come preach for you. Uh, it is an honor. It's an honor to stand in this pulpit and an honor to be with you good people. What a great revival we had this last week. What a blessing it was. Such wonderful preaching that we heard uh, from uh, some of my, my brother and my heroes this week, uh, Pastor Keith Gomez and uh, Brother Terry Angel. And it truthfully is like a dream come true for us to just be able to spend some time with them. We, growing up, if you were in the office with them, you were in trouble. And it still feels like, just, feels like that, just a touch. But then we, you know, we, after a little while, they joke around with you, like, okay, all right, we're not in trouble. We're actually in this room with them. It's such a blessing. And my brother showed tremendous wisdom, even though I know he desperately wants to be back in the pulpit. He does. He, he's been talking. To, I, I, I can't wait to preach again. I can't wait to preach again. But he was very wise not to be the first preacher after Preacher Gomez and Brother Angel. That's why he has me here today. I'm the buffer in between them, and then you'll have me to remember, not them, to compare him to. So anyway, that was very smart on his part. But uh, again, blessing to be with you folks. Let's get into God's Word this morning. Galatians chapter 3, if you would. Galatians chapter 3. I'm actually going to have you turn to both Galatians 3 and Colossians 3. We're going to read a few verses from each of these passages. Galatians 3 and Colossians 3. Hope to be a blessing to you this morning. This message will be primarily geared toward those that have already accepted Christ as their Savior, those that are Christians. 
but there will certainly be an application for those that have not yet accepted Christ as their Savior. So I just encourage you, whoever you are here this morning, let's tune out whatever it is that you have going on in the rest of your life. And I'm sure that you have something else going on in the rest of your life. We all do. Whatever those problems were that are weighing on you heavily this morning that you walked in with, a burden that no one else can see, but you feel it deeply. I'd ask you to just set those aside for just a moment. They'll still be there later. Set those aside for just a moment. Don't miss what the Lord has for you this morning. And that has nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. Let's open our hearts to what the Lord has for us today. Galatians chapter 3. Look with me, if you would, in verse 26. Galatians 3, verse 26. The Bible says there, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Pay special attention to this verse. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Keep your finger there. Now flip over to Colossians chapter four, if, uh, chapter three, if you would. Colossians chapter three. Just a few books away, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 9. Colossians 3, verse 9. The Bible says there, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where the, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege that it is to preach your word this morning. Lord, thank you for calling me all those years ago. Thank you for saving me. Lord, thank you for the new life that you've given me and all those that have trusted in you. Lord, I pray now that you'd still us quiet us this morning Lord, help it not to be dead. But Lord, I just pray that there wouldn't be any distractions. I pray that there wouldn't be anything more important than your word in this room this morning. Holy Spirit, Lord, meet with us, move us, change us today. I pray that whatever it is that you have for us, Lord, that we'd get it and that we'd be tender and willing to make a decision for you if that's your will. Lord, use me today. I pray that you'd get me out of the way and I pray that your name would be glorified. In your name I pray, amen. You may be seated. In these two different passages, and we are going to flip-flop back and forth a little bit between these passages, and we're going to reference a few of Paul's other letters in the New Testament. We'll use our Bible a bit this morning. I want to start by asking a very simple question to you this morning. Who are you? Who are you? It's a question we've certainly all been asked before. We've certainly asked that question to other people as well. Who are you? And probably the easiest way to answer that question if someone asks you, who are you, is just to state your name. But if you think about it, there's a lot of different ways that you could answer that question. There's also a lot of different intentions behind asking that question. If I ask you, who are you, I might just be looking for your name. If I were to, let's say, come upon a strange man that had broken into my house and I ask you, who are you? I don't really care as much about your name. I'm really asking, 
who's your next of kin that needs to be notified, okay? <laughs> if you get asked, who are you, there's different intentions, there's different things that you're looking to get out of that. Maybe you're asked, who are you, and you just give your name, and then someone follows up that question with another question. No, who are you as a person? And you have to stop and think about that a little bit more deeply. If you've ever been asked that question, who are you as a person, describe yourself. You know yourself better than anyone else does, but that's sometimes a hard thing to do. If you've ever had to make a resume or fill out a short biography, it's hard sometimes to describe and define yourself in just a few short sentences. You might start by talking about where you were born or what you do for a living. You might mention your marital status or the size of your family. You might talk about your hobbies and interests. You might bring up some of your proudest achievements or future goals. Regardless of how you answer that question, the answer will be different from person to person, and it'll be some combination and selection of your personal experiences, your preferences, and your nuances. But you would call this your identity. It is who you are. And people today are consumed with this idea of identity. Concepts and terms like identity politics or identity theft. Have any of you ever been the victim of identity theft? Any of you before? Oof, not a good thing. But it's something we have to guard against and watch for today. Identity matters. It is what makes us us. It's what differentiates you from all the rest of the herd around you, your identity. And in our text passages between Galatians and Colossians, Paul is writing to two different people, but what he's addressing is exactly the same thing. He's addressing identity. And specifically, Paul is talking about their new identity in Jesus Christ. They have a new identity, and he's addressing that with them. Now, before we talk about what Paul really did mean here, I want to take a moment in my introduction and address what Paul did not mean by these verses, because you can misinterpret these verses. So what did Paul not mean in Galatians and Colossians 3? When he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, did Paul mean that Jews and Greeks don't exist? that there's no differentiation. Surely he didn't mean that. We see that in Paul's other writings. In 1 Corinthians 9.20, he says, and unto the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews. In Galatians 2.3, he says, neither Titus who is with me being a Greek. Paul was not saying that there was no difference between Jews and Greeks. He acknowledged that there was. He goes on to say there is neither bond nor free. Did he mean that there's no such thing as bondage or freedom? Certainly not. At the very end of Colossians, in uh, chapter 4, verse 18, Paul ends the book by saying, remember my bonds. Then in 1 Corinthians 9, 1, he asks the question, am I not free? So certainly he acknowledged bondage and freedom. Was he saying that when he said there is neither male nor female, was Paul confused like some are today? that there's no difference between the genders. 
Certainly not. When you see Paul, such an ardent defender of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, he himself said in Matthew 19, 4, have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Then Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 11, 11, nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man. So Paul is acknowledging that difference. He says circumcision nor uncircumcision. Did he mean that that concept didn't exist? Certainly not. He says of himself in Philippians 3, 5, that he was circumcised the eighth day. In 1 Corinthians 7, 18, is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called an uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. So obviously he's not saying there's no difference there. Did he deny the existence of barbarians and Scythians? Now you might read that and wonder what in the world are barbarians and Scythians. I use the word barbarian to describe my son Weston and how he attacks his dinner plate like a barbarian. That kid will go at a chicken leg like a rabid dog. And sometimes I say, what are you, a barbarian? Calm down, <laughs> okay? No one's trying to steal that food from you. But barbarian is a term that the Greeks used to describe anyone that was unfamiliar with Greek tradition. They were barbarian. Scythians were, if you will, the barbarians of the barbarians. They were a group of people that inhabit, they inhabited what is today Russia. And they were, they were brutal. They were brutal in their warfare. They were brutal in their culture. They would do they would do grotesque things like when they killed an enemy in battle, they would drink the enemy's blood. They would turn the enemy's skulls into decorative bowls. Barbaric. So when Paul is referencing this, he, he's using very extreme examples on purpose to get their attention. And is he saying that those people didn't exist? Certainly not. In 1 Corinthians 14, 11, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Folks, Paul wasn't saying that these different types of people and experiences and cultures didn't exist. He wasn't saying that people aren't individuals and that you don't have your own identity. He was simply saying that those that are saved have a new identity in Christ and that that identity matters more than your old identity did. That's what he was saying. The end of Galatians 3.28, after he says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. In Colossians 3.11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. I'm here to tell you this morning that if you are saved, you have a new identity and that identity is in Jesus Christ. And in Christ, there is no special benefit or privilege, neither is there a punishment or disadvantage associated with being a Jew or Greek, bond or free, male or female, barbarian or Scythian. None of those labels matter anymore. All that matters is that you are in Christ and that he is all and in all. I want to preach a message to you this morning titled, Who You Were Isn't Who You Are. Who you were isn't who you are. 
I have two simple thoughts. If you like to take notes and you're really organized in your outline, I have two main points and three subpoints under each, okay? So main point number one, simple thought number one is this. Remember who you were. Remember who you were. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter two, if you would. Ephesians chapter two. It's just one book after Galatians. Ephesians chapter two. Remember who you were. Now you might ask the question, Brother Abe, isn't that contradictory to what Paul was saying? Isn't Paul saying, forget who you were? No, that's not what Paul was saying. And, and you'll see this in Ephesians chapter 2, another book that Paul wrote. Ephesians 2, look at verse 11. Ephesians 2, verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Folks, Paul was not saying forget completely who you were and then telling the Ephesians, remember. I think it's important to remember who we were, and it's important for three reasons. Reason number one, why we should remember who we were, is so that we can thank God for changing us. When you remember who you were, you can thank God for changing you. Look at verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians 2, 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Aren't you glad the blood of Christ has made you nigh? He has drawn you close. He has made you nigh. And what's made that possible? The blood of Christ. In order to realize how close we've come, you have to remember how far you were. So take a moment, folks, this morning and remember who you were before you got saved. Who were you? I don't know everyone's story in here. I don't know all your backgrounds, but I can tell you before you were saved, you were lost. You were lost. You were lost in a literal and figurative sense. You were lost. You were blind. You were blind and you didn't know that you were blind. It, is, it would be hard enough to go through life blind. It would be something entirely different to not even know that you were blind, to think that you were sighted but be blind. But that's what all of us were before we got saved. Maybe you lived an uncontrolled lifestyle. You could not bring your thoughts under control. You could not bring your actions under control. You were wild. Maybe you were vile and wicked. Maybe that's what you were known for. And I'm not asking for any personal testimony. I don't want raised hands. I just want you to think back to what you were. Maybe you were hopeless. Maybe you were afraid. Controlled by the fear that you had. Maybe you were just a selfish person and all you cared about and all you thought about was yourself and your opinion mattered more than anyone else. Too selfish to have a good marriage, too selfish to be a good parent. Maybe you were just a proud 
individual and you look down on everybody else because of maybe the advantage that you had and the family that you were raised in, whatever the case may be, I'm here to tell you this morning that who you were is not who you are. Who you were is not who you are. When once you were lost, God found you. When once you were blind, now you can see. If you were uncontrolled in your behavior, you can now, through Christ, bring your body under subjection. If you lived a vile lifestyle, you have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you had no hope, now you have heaven to hope for. If you were afraid, now you need no longer be afraid because you have one who never leaves you nor forsakes you. If you were too selfish to be a good husband or wife, now you can have the marriage that God intended for you to have because you realize that there's more than just yourself. If you were too prideful, now you can humbly say that you are a child of the king. Who you were isn't who you are. And folks, none of those things that I just mentioned is because of our goodness. It's because of his. None of it has anything to do with how good we are. It's the exact opposite. It, it was our wickedness that needed us to be saved and that qualified us to accept the blood of Christ. We don't have ourselves to thank. We have him to thank. And folks, we ought to remember who we were so that we can thank him for who he made us. Thank him for changing us. Why else should we remember who we were? So that we can reach those that others can't. So that we can reach those that others can't. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This concept was touched on a little bit this week during the revival. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We remember who we were so that we could reach those that others can't. 1 Corinthians 9, look at verse 19. First Corinthians 9, 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak that I might gain the weak. What is Paul saying in this passage? Paul is talking about all the different hats that he's worn all the different things that he was. And folks, Paul was a lot of things. He was a Jew. He was a Roman. He was a Pharisee. He was at one time a persecutor of Christians. He had a thorn in his flesh. Folks, there were people that Paul and only Paul could reach. There were people that Paul and only Paul could reach because of who he was and what he had experienced. Paul had doors that would open to him that would not open to you or me because of who he was. So I'm gonna ask you a question this morning. I, I really want you to listen because I see so many people struggle with this. Why did God make you who you are? Why did God make you who you are? Why were you born at the time that you were born? Did any of you think in 2020, in the midst of all that craziness, God, why do you have me alive right now to go through this? Why do you have me living through a global pandemic? 
Why were you born in the place that you were? I've asked myself that question. Illinois, of all places. And it's, it's, it's gotten so much worse than it even used to be. Why was I born in the place that I was? Why was I born into the family that I was born in? Why do you have certain talents and abilities? Why do you have certain interests? Why do you have certain tendencies? Why have you gone through the trials and difficulties that you've gone through? Why do you have a health condition? Why do you have a disability or why do you have a deformity? Why do you have a thorn in your flesh? And in Paul's life, why didn't God remove the thorn from Paul's flesh. Why, why, why? Well, first, because folks, we need to get this down. God wanted it that way. Why are we who we are? Because God wanted it that way and God makes no mistakes. So let's settle that first and foremost. God is right. But secondly, and this will help you, God made you the way that you are so that you can reach people that no one else can reach. Folks, it is high time that we stop feeling sorry for ourselves because we've gone through a tough time. And that is not to trivialize or to say that what you've gone through is not tough. It's not to say that you have not suffered. It is simply to say and to acknowledge that God in his sovereignty has allowed it and not just that he's allowed it, but that he has a purpose for it. And that purpose is not just to grow us, it is to reach others. There are people that you and only you can reach, folks. And that is made possible by what you've gone through. It's time for us to stop envying and idolizing the lives and privileges and advantages of others. And in this day and age of social media, especially for our young people, that's an important thing to realize. I don't need to waste my life worrying about what I don't have. There's a reason that God has given me what he has and there's a reason why God has put me through what he's put me through. And we need to realize, folks, that the things that the world sometimes brands as a disadvantage can actually be an advantage in the kingdom of God. It can be an advantage when it comes to our witness and spreading the gospel around this world. And in a world, in a country full of people literally surgically altering themselves to become inferior versions of whatever it is they so badly want to be. Let's be ch children of God that are content with who God made us and realize that God made us who we are and he's allowed us to experience what we've experienced so that we can reach others for him. There are languages, folks, that I'm, I will never learn or may never learn. There are cultures that I may never relate to. There are experiences that I will never have. And you know what? Those languages that I don't know limits my reach. Those experiences that I have not experienced limits my reach. So what about you? Are there people that you can reach that I cannot reach? Folks, we can even talk about geographical distance uh, differences. Okay, you are here in Corpus Christi, Texas. My church is up north in Lockport, Illinois. I would venture to say that I've reached more people in Lockport than maybe you have. And you know what? That's wonderful. 
because here is where God put you and here is where God called you. I hope you have a burden for Lockport, but here's your area right here. And folks, you are the ones that walk around in this community. You're the ones that go to the grocery stores and the banks and the businesses. You're the ones that have the reach and the impact here. I blow in and blow out with the wind. And folks, God has placed you where you are so that you can reach people that only you can reach. Stop obsessing over who you're not and realize that God made you who you are so you can reach people that no one else can. We have a, we have a missionary that we support. His name is Baraka Hall. And I have a heart and a burden for all of our missionaries, but this guy, I have a soft spot in my heart for him and my heart is just stirred every time I've been able to hear an update from him or read his letter or every time he's come in for a report. And here's why, he is deaf. He is deaf and he was called to reach the deaf in Ghana. Let me ask you folks, okay? How effective do you think I would be at reaching the deaf in Ghana? I would do my best. I would make up some kind of sign language. I would do my absolute best to try to reach them. But folks, I would be about that effective. And you should see the ministry that he has. I, it is etched into my mind. He came in and, and showed a missions presentation. And these people were signing and there was subtitles for what they were signing. Folks, when I tell you that I saw the most beaming, brilliant smiles on the faces of these deaf people in Ghana that have accepted Christ, signing how God has changed their life. And I walk around in Illinois at people that have 10,000 times more than those people will ever have with a scowl on their face, walking around like life has done them wrong. Those people's lives are changed because Baraka Hall didn't shake his fist in God's face. God, why didn't you let me hear? He didn't sit and sour in the United States of America, wishing that he had everything that he doesn't. He realized, God, you made me the way I am so that I can reach people that no one else can. And that man is doing a work where I think very, very few people can. Why? Because he realized God made him who, who he is for a purpose. Teenagers, young people, stop, stop trying to be somebody else. God made you, you. Do not get sucked up into this social media culture. Do not, and especially young ladies, do not devalue your worth so much by making it just about what you look like on the outside. Don't do it. This world wants to make you so much less than you actually are, and God made you exactly who you are, fearfully and wonderfully. God made you who you are. Why? So that you can reach people that no one else can. Ladies, I don't know what you've been through. Maybe you've gone through it. A rough marriage. Maybe you've lived with an unfaithful spouse. Maybe you've experienced abuse. I don't know what it is. God does. And you know what? Maybe God has allowed you to go through some of those things so that you can help some other young lady that's going to need help someday. Sir, why did you get laid off from your job after years and years with the company and you were discarded like a number? Why? And you're just trying to serve the Lord and you're just trying to provide for your family and you're just trying to do the best you can. Why? Why, why, why? Maybe because some young man is going to need to see 
the walk of faith in your life. Maybe because God is going to need that arm around their shoulder and say, don't worry, it's going to be okay. God will take care of you. He took care of me. God will take care of you. You can reach someone that no one else can. Remember who you were so that you can reach those that others can't. What is your mission field? I guarantee you, God has one for you. He has someone that you can reach that no one else can. Sub point number three under remember who you were, reach those that no one else can, but don't stop there. But don't stop there. But don't stop there. This passage continues in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 22, the end of the verse. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Why, Paul? And this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be partaker thereof with you. Folks, Paul tried to relate to as many people as he could. He didn't limit himself only to what was comfortable and easy when it came to his witness. He reached as many as he possibly could. Folks, the love of Christ is a universal language. The love of Christ is a universal language. In Romans 8:38, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of Christ is a universal language. The glory of God is a universal language. In Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Christian, reach those that others can't, but don't stop there. Don't stop there. There are going to be some people that you witness to and you just relate to them right off the bat. You can hit it off. You find a similarity in your past. You find an interest in, in your hobbies. You find some difficulty that you had in common. And boy, your hearts are just knit right away. And it's like God has thrown the door wide open for you to witness. But then we've all had those people. We just don't have anything in common with them. We pass them by on the street and you kind of go to the other side a little bit. You know, I'm a church mouse. My brother and I, we're church mice if there ever were church mice. There are some people that we just don't relate to their lifestyle. When I see the guy that looks like he just fell out the back end of Hell's Angels and just, you know, the, 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 the thick beard and the leather coat with like the spikes on it, I've never had anything like that in my wardrobe before. And, and, you know, they're just walking by and, and they're, they're, they're breathing heavy and they got this angry scowl on their face. And I think about my friend group from years back and I had some people with some rough demeanors, but nothing quite like that. Do you know what the temptation is for me to do? The temptation is for me to just quickly walk the other way because how in the world am I going to start up a conversation with this individual? Why would he listen to me? What in the world do we have in common? You know what? We do this thing as Christians that we ought not do. We look at the outward appearance and we forget that just because maybe I never had those tattoos and just because maybe I never actually did those things because God saved me before I got there, that I had just as much potential to live that life as anybody else. And if God saved you out of that, you forget 
you forget who you were. And we feel good this morning with our suit and our tie and our Sunday best. But folks, we are, we are made of no different flesh than they are. And God forbid that we would ever adopt a Calvinist mentality that, oh, clearly God is going to have someone else witness to that person. Maybe now's the appointed time for that person and God had you cross their path because they need to hear from you. And we'll strike up conversations about football and about whatever else. Are we as bold about the gospel? Are we working as hard to try to find that common ground with other people when it comes to the gospel? Folks, do not stop with just the easy. The Bible says to go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. The Bible says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every, what? Creature. What a strange word. I've witnessed to some creatures before. Creatures. And folks, it just, there's a difference sometimes in your personality and your culture, whatever the case may be, but they need the gospel too. They need the gospel too. And you never know what God can do in turning a life around. That man that stood in this pulpit, Pastor Keith Gomez, he says often, I was something before I was a preacher. I was something before I was a preacher. I never met that guy, but he tells the stories. I'm glad that I met this, this version of Pastor Keith Gomez. But folks, if someone would have looked on him the same way that we look upon others sometimes, he may have not been reached with the gospel. Reach those that others can't, but don't stop there. Folks, remember who you were. Remember who you were. But now let's shift gears in this message and go to big point number two. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Turn to Colossians chapter three once again, if you would. Colossians chapter three. Remember who you are. Colossians 3, verse 9, the Bible says, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Folks, I think that Paul is saying here, put off the old man. Put off the old man. Heritage Baptist Church, can I get an amen on this? If you are saved, there ought to be a change in your life. If you are saved, there ought to be a change in your life. There ought to be something different. I like analogies, I like illustrations, and as I was preparing this message, I can think of no better illustration than one of a funeral. And I know that you had a precious saint go to be with the Lord this last week. So you're gonna experience that here, here soon. I've been to a lot of funerals, and as, as a pastor and pastoral staff, sometimes you, you talk to people on the phone that maybe you've never met in person. And you show up at the funeral and, and you might go around and you might ask the question, who's the one that I was speaking to? Wh which one is the son? Which one is the, the daughter? Which one is the widow? You might ask that question, you might be directed around and introduced and so on and so forth. But you know one question that I've never, ever, ever had to ask at a funeral? Which one is the deceased? I've never had to ask that question. Because it's obvious, there's a difference. And I'm not trying to make light of what death is. I'm trying to get us to realize that sometimes it's a lot harder than it should be 
to tell the saved from the unsaved. It's not hard to tell the dead from the living. But it's hard to tell the saved from the unsaved. You mean to tell me that Jesus Christ quickened you? You mean to tell me that he brought you from death to life and there's no difference in our lifestyle? You mean to tell me that you cannot tell any difference between the living and the dead? Are you still walking around masquerading as the corpse that you once were? I hope not, because if you are a child of God, he has brought you from death unto life, from defeat unto victory, and there ought to be a change in our life when we get saved. And the change is not overnight necessarily in the outward appearance. And some of us have some language that we have to work out of our vocabulary. And some of us have some tendencies that we have to beg God, God, help me, God, help me, God, help me. And it takes a while for you to get there, but the change had better be evident and better be visible as time goes on, that we ought to be less and less like who we were and more and more like him. That's who he wants us to be. Put off the old man. Put off the old man. You are not who you were. You are now who you are. And pastor, I am so tired of hearing Christians make excuses for the sin in their life by saying, that's just who I am. It's just who I am. I, I grew up around that language. I just, that's... That's always been my style. I'm just not a very giving person. When you say that, folks, you're talking about who you were, not who you are. That's who your flesh is, not who the Spirit can help you to be. Put off the old man. Subpoint number two, find your identity in Christ. Put off the old man, find your identity in Christ. Find your identity in Christ. Folks, people today define their identity in a lot of different ways. They define their identity by their race, by their sexuality, by their religion, by their family customs, by their career, by their economic status, by how many beds and baths they have in their house, or by how fast their car goes from zero to 60. But for the Christian, who you were isn't who you are. Your identity, your worth, your culture, none of it is now defined by worldly terms. It's all defined by heavenly terms. Who you were isn't who you are. Folks, we need to act like we have an identity in Jesus Christ. Find your identity in Christ. I'm going to ask a, t a question that relates to a touchy subject. But I know the kind of preaching that goes forth here, and this is, this is Bible. Why has race become such an issue today? How are we going backwards in this area? How are relations between races getting worse? How are we being told that we have to truly believe that there are nine million different genders and that they're all as culturally impactful as the other? How are we supposed to believe that? Why is this coming up? Why is there such a respect and reverence for cultural differences, yet a disdain for biblical separation? Why are people so easily offended and fragile when you bring this stuff up? And I, I see this even in good churches, you start to mention this stuff and people just get a little bit more stiff, a little bit more tense. Pastor, don't you know who's in the room today? Yeah, I know. 
Why is this becoming such an issue? Why are we so easily offended? It's because, folks, we have allowed ourselves to be defined by the fleeting and the, fr the fragile and the fleshly. So our fortitude and constitutions mirror the way we've defined ourselves. We've allowed ourselves to be defined by shallow, superficial means. And so that's as deep as our constitution goes, shallow and superficial. We are easily offended. When you make your whole worth and identity about a fake gender that you invented because you're bored, your emotional well-being and temperance is going to be just as vain and fragile. When your whole identity and worth is defined by the color of your skin, which, by the way, you had no power over. You had no power over it, and it only becomes important when other people around you decide that it is. You're going to find yourself easily triggered and offended. But, oh, child of God, when you find your identity in Christ, the Ancient of Days, the Lamb who was slain from the beginning of the world, when you define yourself by something that goes a little bit deeper, your resolve is going to be hardy and your skin is going to be thick. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 165, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Here's the truth, Christian. Here's why we're so easily offended today. It's all about us and it's not enough about him. It's all about us and not enough about him. And before you accuse me of speaking without experience, I don't know if you've noticed, my brother and I look very much alike, but we look different from some of you. We are, and, and you can see why in the back over there. My, my dad's back there, my grandma's back there. I am half Korean. And I'm not saying this because I'm trying to offend my dad or my grandma or anyone else that is my same race. Do you want to know how much I really care about the fact that I'm Korean, folks? About that much. It's not like when I was born, they gave me a choice. It's not like when I was old enough to understand, they said, you have to choose one of these races and you better make a good choice because some of these are more valuable than the others. I'm going to choose Korean. feel like that's a good choice. I had no, I had no control over. I'm not embarrassed that I am. I'm not upset that I am. But it, it, it has made no difference to me in my life. I've had people make racial slurs against me. They've called me names that I won't repeat from this pulpit. And you know how much sleep I lose over it? None. I sleep like a baby because, you know, it's not my identity. That's not who I am. It goes far deeper than that. It may surprise you to know that I did not march with some of my, cousin, my cousins in the Stop Asian Hate rallies. I didn't march with them. And you know what? There's a lot of people today, Pastor, that hate God, and I don't see any rallies about that. I care a lot more about the people that hate my God than the ones that hate my race. I'm not going to march for that cause. I'm going to march for his cause. He's the cause that matters. My worth isn't in my Asian heritage. It is in my godly heritage. And folks, it is all level ground at the foot of the cross. It's all level ground. There's no privileges or disadvantages. God doesn't love white people more than black people. And if you think that God cares whether you're a member of Corpus Christi Country Club, you're crazy. He doesn't care about any of that stuff, and it shouldn't matter as much to us as it does. But we've allowed it to become about us. We've allowed it to be superficial and, and, and fleeting. And that's why we're so easily offended. That's why you can't have conversations with people anymore without making them upset. And shame on us, child of God, 
if we have the same level of resolve as those in the world, who you were isn't who you are. Find your identity in Christ. And then last, I'm going to close with this, and I hasten. Love your Christian culture. Love your Christian culture. Turn to Philippians, and we're going to close in Philippians. One book earlier than Colossians, Philippians. Love your Christian culture. Folks, if the world is allowed to tell you that you shouldn't be embarrassed of your earthly culture, then let me tell you that you shouldn't be embarrassed of your heavenly culture. The world has told you, don't be embarrassed of where you were born, what country you're from, and you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. You don't need to be embarrassed of any of that. But if you're not going to be embarrassed of that, don't you dare be embarrassed of who God made you. Don't be embarrassed of being a Christian. We have made it today unacceptable to make fun of anyone's culture or religion except, it seems, for Bible Christianity. But guess what? Our Christian culture should matter more to us than any other culture. And I'm not saying that you're wrong if you have cultural traditions in your home that you have, have celebrated for years and years. I thought about this the other day. John, do you remember our Korean table? We had this thing in our house that was called a Korean table. Does anyone know what a Korean table is? Okay. It's this table that it, it's about one foot off the ground. Okay. And you sit around this table, ironically, Indian style. <laughs> and you, you just eat your food at this little table. Do I think it was a sin to have the Korean table in our house? Uh, no. But as important as that table was to me, God's table was important to me. The Lord's table was important to me in the house of God too. And that was just as important of a cultural tradition for me as any other tradition that we ever have. Because my parents, and my, my dad especially, he was never embarrassed of his Korean heritage, but he was, oh, so much more in Christ. So much more in Christ. And he taught us to be proud of who we were in Jesus Christ. And folks, we need to do the same for our Christian culture. And if our, our uh, race or our family culture ever conflicts with our Christian culture, we ought to adhere to our Christian culture. And I know this is not an easy thing to do. It may be a difficult thing to do, but Paul addresses this in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 2. I'm going to start reading there quickly. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Now, Paul is going to give some of his credentials here. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Folks, you know what Paul is saying here? Paul is saying, if you have a reason to be proud of your heritage, your culture, who you are, what groups you run with, I more. I more. I could pick any of these things and I could choose to, to make that my claim to fame. But you know what? I count all those things that I was before Christ, loss. Nothing. 
It's not, it's, it's not who I am anymore. Paul goes on to say that he was more defined by the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul says, you want to know who I am? It is who I am now in Christ. And the new identity in Christ is worth the loss of all other things to me. And folks, you look around at the world today, obsessed with all these movements and and. Uh, uh, causes to become a part of. People that are, are marching, save the whales, save the whales. Listen, I don't want the whales to die, but I have more important things to march for. And that's not my cause. That's no longer my identity. Whatever trivial things may have come to me easy in life, I, I count them all but loss. And all that matters is who I am now in Christ. And I want to challenge you today, Christian. If you're proud of your heritage, your race, your country, your culture, love your Christian culture. Love who you are in Christ. I had to counsel someone in our, in our church. They're getting married soon. And they're, they have these cultural traditions that for some reason always involve alcohol. They have these cultural traditions when it comes to their wedding and they said that they're being pressured by their family. That they said, we're not having these in our wedding. We're not doing it. But pastor, help me. Help me to explain this to my lost parents. Help me to explain this in the way that they understand. And I said, you need to try to explain to them that as important as their culture is to them, your Christian culture is to you. What does this mean for us on a daily basis? It means when you have friends and family over to your house, don't you dare hide your Bible and don't you turn off your godly music. Love your Christian culture. When you sit down at a restaurant and you pray before your meal, don't, don't do one of these, Lord bless the food. Okay, good, no one saw us. We sometimes pray so fast and so quiet, we don't even hear ourselves. No, you bow your head and you pray to the one that provided you that food and that saved you from a life of sin. Love your Christian culture. When you have to take a stand against something that you're being pressured to do, do it boldly, not timidly. Sir, if at work you, you are given a hard time, you're made fun of because you don't cuss or you don't tell vile jokes or because you don't have a wandering eye for other women like everyone else there does, don't you be embarrassed. Love your culture. Young lady, if someone's making fun of you for how you dress modestly, don't you dare hang your head. You lift up your eyes to the hills from whence cometh your help. Love your Christian culture. Child of God, we've been given a heritage. That I, 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 I shudder to use the word pride because I know what God thinks of it. But please understand, if we're going to be proud of our earthly culture, we ought to be proud of our heavenly culture. Love your Christian culture. So who are you today? Who are you today? I'm not telling you that you should forget who you were. Remember who you were. It's important. But you should remember so that you can thank God because he's changed you. You should remember so that you can reach people that no one else can and then use that as a launching pad to reach everybody else. But child of God, remember who you are. And I think we have some Christians that are going backwards in this area. They're regressing back to who they were before. God changed them and it's a tragedy. It's a shame. Love your Christian culture. Find your identity in Christ. Shed that old man, child of God. Who you were isn't who you are. And maybe you're here this morning and you've struggled to relate to anything that I've preached about this morning because everything that I've described about who you were is actually still who you are. 
Maybe you've never found that identity in Christ because you've never trusted Christ as your personal savior. I've been admonishing Christians today, remember, 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 but to you that might be lost without Christ, I admonish you, realize, realize who you can be. Realize who God wants to make you. Realize that the sinful, worldly culture, this system is not working for you and it's not working for anybody else. It's not working. Look around at the degradation of our culture. It's because it's sinful. And I, I'm not standing here saying that we are any less sinful just because we're saved, but we no longer have to be ruled by it like the world around us is. Realize that your sin is going to send you to hell. And there are a lot of churches that won't tell you that today. They want you to somehow find your worth in you just being a unique individual. I'm not saying to be ashamed of who God made you, but we are nothing if we are not in Christ. Realize that God wants to make you something. He wants to save you out of that sin. Realize that that sin does have a penalty and realize that, praise God, Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He died for you. And all of us that, that can stand here today and say that we have a new identity in Christ, it's not because we earned it. It's not because we do anything to keep it. It's not because we deserve it. It's so far the opposite. We realize that we were nothing without him. That without him, we were doomed to live that lost, blind existence for all of eternity. But Jesus Christ died to make you a way to go to heaven and realize that your future can be different than your past. Praise God. Folks, every single one of us has a past. And every single one of us has a future that is either going to be lived for God or it's not. And some of you this morning are standing at a crossroads. You're at a crossroads. And the truth is we don't know how much more life we have. But if you feel that tug of the Holy Spirit on you this morning, if the Holy Spirit is telling you you don't relate to anything in that message because you've never truly trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, today can be your day. And you can have this new identity. You can go from aimlessly trying to find worth in all of these frivolous, superficial causes to having a real worth and identity in Jesus Christ. And praise God, this church is an exciting church. This church is a growing church. And it is because of the grace and love and mercy of Jesus Christ. And if you want to be a part of what's going on here, come on in, the water's fine. But it starts with you establishing a relationship with Jesus Christ. This has nothing to do with religion. It has to do with you beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then over time, you can trust this pastor to teach you why we believe the way that we do. But if none of it makes sense to you, it might be because you're not his. And if that's you this morning, I urge you change that today. Change the way that you live this life. And child of God, remember who you were. But remember who you are and who you were isn't who you are. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.